I have advocated that the transplant recipients receive the mRNA vaccines that are not viral vector. Traditionally in transplantation, if there is a live virus or a viral vector involved, we're concerned that that vector may not be taken care of because of the immunosuppression. Given the opportunity, take the first two. Hello, I'm Rob Boyle. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm alongside my co-host, as always, Chris Gazuski, And today, our special guest is Dr. Lewis Tepperman. He's the Director of Transplant Services for Northwell Health, and he's also the Vice Chair of Surgery at North Shore University Hospital. Dr. Tepperman, we have the vaccine now. How is this helping uh, in transplants? Well, I wish I could tell you that the transplant patients were given a higher status to get the vaccine. We're working on that at Northwell to make sure that the governor's office allows us to do this. Uh, we believe that transplant patients should be given the vaccine straight away. They're at higher risk. So if you think about it, the one, let's look at the waiting list before we even get to the recipients. So these people have heart failure, liver failure, kidney failure, respiratory failure. They need all these organs, kidneys, liver, heart, lungs, to be transplanted. And so that's a comorbidity in its own right, right? So if they don't get vaccinated, they're going to be in big trouble. Uh, what happens to a transplant patient who gets COVID? So now the recipient who's on immunosuppressive agents, so they're considered the immunosuppressed group, uh, where the CDC has just recommended that those individuals get vaccinated, they're dying at a higher rate than most patients. And we've been tracking New York State, the data, since the beginning of COVID. And so there are more than 1,600 transplant recipients, kidneys, livers, hearts, et cetera, uh, all over the state that have already contracted COVID. If a transplant recipient gets the virus, gets COVID-19, they are probably going to be asymptomatic for a longer period of time, setting up the possibility of a super spreader. So these, are the, and then when they get sick, they get much sicker. So the virus probably is replicating, growing and growing and growing into millions and millions of particles. By the time they get sick, then it's much harder for them to fight it off. So you recommend the mRNA vaccines for Correct. transplant patients? So we have two, right? So we have Pfizer and Moderna, very similar mRNA vaccines, little lipid coat around this stuff. Uh, it gets in, tells the cell to make more copies of this uh, spike protein, and so you can have a reaction to it. So we recommend mRNA. Why? Uh, first off, my, my, my advice to everybody is, when offered a vaccine, take it. Don't decline because there's not going to be enough of it around. We're just trying to figure out with the new administration how much vaccine is there. They can't tell you, right? That, that means we're short. So now these two vaccines we recommend for the transplant patients. Why? Uh, because there have been a couple of them already, and we've, we've given some to Northwell people who, for instance, a nurse was uh, um, needed a kidney transplant. It's on our list, works at Northwell got the vaccine. So how did they do? They do fine. Um, and so these vaccines, uh, although not specifically studied in transplant patients are safe. 
and they're safe for the transplant recipient. We do not believe it's going to incur um, a problem because there's no viral vector, nothing that could be staying alive in them. Uh, we also don't believe that it's going to activate the immune system to cause a rejection. The, these proteins are so divergent and so different than the normal HLA proteins. Uh, so that's both Moderna and Pfizer. Pfizer, you know, three weeks. Uh, and you and I were having this conversation before about, you know, when do you have your immunity, right? So uh, it's essentially a week after you've had your second dose. And then you're immune. And we know these vaccines are better than 90 plus percent effective. And we expect the same in the transplant recipients. Some people may say that should the recent transplant recipient get it? And my answer is the same. If offered a vaccine, take it. Okay. Uh, and the argument here is because you're on a lot of immunosuppressive agents, you may, may, may not make as robust a response to the vaccine. It may be true. It may not be true, but you won't know until you take it. What about the flip side? We're talking about, obviously, you would, if you're waiting for a kidney or a liver, you'd like to be vaccinated. Yep. What about the actual organs? Are they being tested uh, for oh, COVID sure. or if an organ has been vaccinated? No, this is great. Great question. So, uh, so donation. So deceased donation, the donor pool is repeatedly tested. It's very common that that donor that died from a brain injury, a car accident, the drug overdose, the gunshot wound, whatever it may have been, a stroke, uh, is tested, you know, in the traditional way in the nose, then a bronchial lavage. And it's oftentimes that there's, there's a third test being done. So, but at least two, they're having CAT scans of the chest to make sure that we don't see any COVID signs in the chest, a ground glass appearance or as such. Um, and if there's any suspicion that they're actively having COVID, they're declined as an organ donor. There has been no transmission of a positive uh, organ donor given to a recipient from deceased donation. So the, the donor pool is incredibly safe. Now the next question is what happens if you've had COVID and you're a donor? So you, the Donor now tests positive for antibody, but they're PCR negative. My answer is take it. Same as taking the vaccine. That's a gift. So they've cleared the virus, you know, it would be, and their PCR is negative. They may actually convey some antibody. So you transmit some of these cells, these B cells, these T cells, they eventually get eaten up um, in the recipient, but pretty good deal. So I would say, take it now. An even more important question, living donation. So I am going to, because um, I like Robert a lot, I'm going to give him half of my liver. Thank you. Okay. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, that's a good question, but I like him. He's good. I'd give it to you, Chris. So, so, um, so living donation, what should you do with the donor? So a kidney donor or liver donor. So these are the live donations that we perform. So these are the heroes, right? These are healthcare heroes. I consider them healthcare workers, right? Because they're allowing you to come off dialysis or allowing you to not be in liver failure. So I believe they should be afforded the vaccine. So they're allowing us to get someone to get better, and but they shouldn't be exposed 
to the COVID pandemic. So I am advocating for these individuals, the living donors, to have a higher priority for the vaccine too. And I can tell you that if you look at living donation, it plummeted in the New York area in March, April, May, and June. We stopped. You know, and we, I remember calling uh, uh, Michael Daly and saying, look, we have a, a living donor case that's going to be going in the middle of the pandemic. We're going to put it on hold as soon as we get through this, you know, because it's an ace in the hand. We're going to go do it. And then that was our first case in June when we started up. So living donation around the country, uh, everyone has put it on hold when the area is, you know, overrun by COVID because it's impossible to have a safe space. You know, uh, the transplant floor has to be cleared of COVID. The transplant ICU has to be cleared of COVID. Your staff has to be clear. And we don't want to have a nosocomial infection. We don't want to give it to uh, a patient while they're in the hospital. And we've learned that, you know, um, early on in COVID, there was a living donor that wound up giving the COVID not just to the recipient, but to the surgeon who was involved in the middle of the case didn't take place at our institution, but another one and, and, and everyone got very sick and everyone recovered, but we don't want to put everyone at risk. Yeah. It's Not scary. Like, yeah. It's I, scary. Just a quick question. Uh, um, so the, the vaccines that are about to come out, well, hopefully Johnson and Johnson, AstraZeneca. Ah, good questions. Would we uh, consider so, that? So, so, so I, I have advocated that, um, the transplant recipients receive the mRNA vaccines that are not viral vectored. Traditionally in transplantation, if there is a live virus or a viral vector involved, we're concerned that that vector may not be taken care of because of the immunosuppression. We don't know. We're not sure. But given the opportunity, take the first two vaccines. Must have been an incredibly stressful time for people on the list who've been waiting for organs during this whole crisis. Has there been any outreach to them to kind of reassure them now that you know things are going back to normal and we're starting to do more org, you know, transplants? Sure, sure. So so far in uh, January, uh, we've uh, done liver transplantation, uh, but I think people are waiting. They're not just waiting on their liver failure or their kidney failure, but they're waiting on their heart attacks. They're waiting on their diabetes. They're waiting on their cancers. We've got to get the word out. So I think that's absolutely on the money. But we still see a problem with uh, organ donation. And so uh, individuals' living donation, uh, we had three living donors scheduled between December and January that got canceled because the donors or the recipient wound up being positive for COVID. So we come back and fight another day, you know, as long as they get through the disease. But this could have been, you know, prevented by a vaccine. So so organ donation is definitely taking a hit and, and transplantation is taking a hit just simply because people are reticent. Sure. Yeah. Now, uh, you had, uh, I think it was last spring, you had written the, the blueprint on how to transplant during a pandemic. And we're following it. I was going to say. Yeah. Strike force response team. Correct. So <laughs> the, so you're, you're so on the money. So I, I chair the strike force response for the American society of transplant surgeons. We just had a meeting last night, you know, and we're brushing things off again because 
all around the country. People are seeing the surge. And I'm hoping we're on the other side of the curve. You know, um, hope is not a strategy, but I look at the numbers each day and I think it's getting better and better for us. Certainly and, in New York, yeah. Yeah, I would assume too that like there's probably you're giving extra um, advice to people who are waiting, right? Because I mean, we, we're all supposed to be quarantine or, or reducing our uh, possibility of getting it, you know, staying home. So I guess people who are waiting, they're probably not going out as much as we are. Right. So we're, we're <laughs> people who are waiting and, and, you know, you spoke about the, the blueprint, you know, the roadmap for transplantation. So we quarantine the donor, you know, because we know the recipient is this close, you know, for a living donor, let's say for a kidney. So we quarantined the donor for a week. We test them three times. We bought our own special machine that uh, uh, Mike Gitman made sure that we had just for the transplant patients. And anytime we're about to do a donor or a recipient or a deceased uh, organ is brought in and we're going to test the new recipient to make sure it's okay, we can get the test back within an hour. We have this one rapid machine just for transplant patients. On the podcast here, we we do have this segment called um, "Up at Night." So well, I'm throw up that at, question to you. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm up, up anyway. at night because I'm taking a donor call. So you know, I'm very happy to be up at night. I, you know, I'm a night owl. So, and that's usually when the the procurement agencies call us and say, uh, you know, this person has died. We have an organ offer. So, what also keeps me up at night is, you know if there's something that we could have had that we didn't take or it didn't come to us, you know, we were this close on the list. We're number two as opposed to being number one. And, you know, so I'm always checking. And then, you know, uh, there are organs that you think, uh, you know, could you have used, did they work out? And usually they don't. Right. Yeah. So that's what keeps me up at night. If there were enough organs, you know, and it was in a box and I could just take it out, that would be awesome. Then I wouldn't have to be up at night. Right. I guess go. it would also be awesome for you too if everybody who was on the list and everybody who was being possibly considered as a donor, if they can all be vaccinated. And we're not there yet, but that, but if, like you said, if you can get the vaccine, get it. How about how successful can you be in lobbying to get those people moved up the list? Oh, I think I think the commissioner of health, um, he contacted me last weekend, or or the. We were doing a transplant, so I couldn't get back to him right away. Uh, but he said, you know, um, I chair the transplant council for the state of New York. And he said, okay, what's your view on vaccination? I said, we got to do it. We got to do it for the recipient. We just have to do it. So I think it's going to happen. He's very interested. The governor's very interested. Um, and so um, it's a, a important patient group. And you think about how much time and effort we spend you know, a patient is on dialysis three times a week. So you now transplant them and they're off of dialysis. So you, you've saved a lot of uh, work and money for the workforce, you know, for the healthcare provider. And you want to ensure that it continues vaccinating. And for the patient too. Sure, undoubtedly. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, with it being that three weeks for Pfizer and four weeks for Moderna, how, like, how would we get ahead of that for, for transplant patients who, who really need these organs right away? Like, is there some kind of protocol that you have in your head that, that we would have to like? So, so, um, uh, Mark Jarrett asked me, uh, how many patients do you have candidates and recipients, you know, heart, liver, kidney? I said about a thousand. He said, Lou, 
find find out exactly and you know give me the names and you know maybe we can come up with our own pod that we're going to vaccinate 1064 was the number so i'm back in the envelope i wasn't so bad so i think that's going to be our you know call to action so we're going to try to see and 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 the question is where will you have the pod right so do we need to make a different one in suffolk do we need to do it you know, in the in the transplant uh, outpatient offices, which we'd be happy to do. So what would we wind up doing? It would just be vaccinate them as fast as possible. And would, would remember you remember what I said? If offered a vaccine, <laughs> take it. Take it. Right, right. <laughs> um, would, would do you think one shot would be okay no. for this population? No, I think you must have two shots. And I guess it's always important to like, you know, when you talk about people going out and doing things to be safe and, you know, it's really not for you as much, I mean, it is for you too, but also for the other people. And you never know who's on the other end of it. If it's somebody with a compromised immune system, or if it's somebody who's waiting for uh, an organ transplant. Yeah. You never know who's right next to you, right? Never know who's right next to you in the supermarket, looking at the back of the, the milk to see, you know, which one's expired or not. Right. Yeah. Everyone's touching everything. Everyone needs to be vaccinated. Yeah. Especially in these well-populated areas that we live in. You know, but, New York but, is chock full of this. But here is the key. So, you know, uh, you know, there is a lot of vaccine hesitancy. So as much as there is a shortage, uh, we consistently see women of childbearing years not wanting to have the vaccine because they're afraid they shouldn't be. I mean, you guys have done good work on that. Try to get the word out. But you see uh, individuals of in minority groups not knowing is the vaccine okay or not? And it is. So remember my adage, if offered the vaccine, take <laughs> yeah. it. If think, offered money, take it too. That's exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've heard that a few times during <laughs> this podcast. That's awesome. And I guess also there's always been a push that you're always getting the message out. And, and I always talk about my favorite bumper sticker, which is um, don't take your organs to heaven. Heaven knows we need them here. How do you uh, impart on people to sign up to become organ donors or to get that word out for people to still do that? Right. So, you know, we've sort of lost sight of our really good altruism. That's what the U.S. has always been giving and giving. And unfortunately, New York State has not uh, been high on the uh, sign-up list for organ donation. So there are many ways to sign up. I would say go to your DMV, but it's closed. <laughs> you know, but sign, so sign up online. You can still do that for organ donation. But, you know, living donation is also a good way, you know, if you have a relative who needs an organ. Uh, but we are behind, uh, and, and so we're playing catch up all, but we're great. We're a great nation. We're going to succeed. Uh, but don't let this thing beat us. Right. Mm, so no vaccinate, doubt. we got to vaccinate our way out of it. I think you kind of stole my thunder for our last segment, which yeah. is always, what are you optimistic about? You just kind of said it, but you know, what well, gives you hope? I, 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 we actually have great tools now to use. So if you're a little sick and you test positive, we have a tent right outside North Shore that we're giving 35 monoclonal antibodies uh, infusions a day. We've done over a thousand. And so far that looks really good. Only 5% of the people wind up being admitted into a hospital. So preventing the hospital system from being overwhelmed, but it's good treatment. So we have a treatment, you know, there's still a remdesivir that people give as an antiviral. I think we'll come up with better ones, but we have a vaccine and don't forget to mask. So test, vaccinate, mask, and then if you do get it early, you know, get the monoclonal antibody. And there's plenty of it around. You know, so I don't think we've gotten the word out enough for people to use it. 
Beautiful. All right. So, well, Dr. Tepperman, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for everybody else who tuned in, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and stay safe. Thanks for having me. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.